baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Now, Amy Marks scores Chris Ranji on KMOX. Welcome in, everyone. It is Friday morning. It is the Chris and Amy show. Chris is gone. He's not here today, but I have the illustrious John Hancock and Michael Kelly sitting in with me this morning, as they always do on Friday. And it looks like, uh, hello, gentlemen. How are you doing? Good. Good morning. Is my mic on? You are. No, you right. sound We're loud and clear. Proud. And uh, speaking of sounding loud and clear, if you're listening to us on 1120 AM, maybe you're in the 40 corridor, you can try 98.7 FM. Uh, it's crystal clear there. And of course, the Odyssey app, listen live. You can rewind if you missed something, rewind live radio. You can also download the Chris and Amy podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Time now for the top of the order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. Well, a lot to talk about today, gentlemen. Hunter Biden was indicted on nine tax charges. We've also, we're going to have Brad Young in of Hairstyle Fisher and Young to talk about free speech versus harassment on college campuses and also a wealth tax. Is it coming? Is it coming for you? How are you doing, gentlemen, on this fine Friday? Well, the good news is I'll never have to pay a wealth tax. <laughs> uh, I guess is uh, I'm happy about that this morning. That's pretty good. Ditto. You yeah. seem extra chipper. I think that uh, you are a different spirit without that uh, sloth. What, all, that all, wet uh, blanket? Yeah, all over you. <laughs> well, you know, it's Friday. I'm kind of happy. It's the holiday Friday. season. Are it you guys getting Christmas? Oh, my gosh, yeah. yes. Yeah? Yes, I love the music. I, well, much of the music I love. So I did Christmas stuff last night. Yeah. I went to the new Top Golf in downtown or okay. right there at um, by St. Louis U, which was nice. I went over to a pop-up bar, um, Amy. Now, my friend John Hancock called it a Pop-Tart bar. I, I've never heard of these Because Pop-Tart he's never bars. heard of a pop-up Pop-Tart. bar. So I was trying to explain <laughs> to him there at... Uh, the heck is wrong with people? Uh, Vandeventer and Mississippi, there was mm-hmm. a place called Sip and Santa. And I ducked in there for a minute last night. Very romantic. Mm-hmm. I'd recommend it to you if you're, you know. Looking for a place with mason jar? Jarhead can yes. go there and <laughs> mason jar. check it out. And then I popped into the Grand Hall at Union oh, Station, which is beautiful. quite Christmassy. So, listen, it is the most wonderful time of the year, and I'm getting into it, man. Yeah. I had a bunch of friends went to the Sleigh Shed. Where's that? It's I think it's at Union Station. And oh, they it, just renamed it? It is okay. also a Pop-Tart bar. Oh. Yeah. Is this a new thing? Yeah. I mean, if, is this something that used to be around that I didn't know? Well, no, heard about I think or? it's a gimmick to get people to come in and spend some money. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess, like you, yeah. there might be a pop up bar around spring training. So you go to a bar and it's baseball themed and blah, blah, blah. 
Christmas is a heavy time. They do one around uh, Valentine's Day. They'll have pop-up bars. But yes, it's and a they're new only way in of... business for a few weeks, and then they're they're gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's What's like, the point it's of that? It's like Kim Gardner. It's fun. <laughs> well, she was there for five years. It's like oh. an event. It's a, it's it's halfway between a an establishment and an event. So you want to go there because it may only be there for a month or two. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it was. How do you make any money doing? I mean, if you're going to have body, a they, bar. they're charging yeah. a nice little penny. I think if it's to, like eighteen dollars for a cocktail, you're going to whoa make some money. Well, eighteen dollars for a cocktail? I don't know. I yeah. just that's what I imagine. I don't know that about Santa and Sip. I didn't pay the bill, so I don't know what it cost. But yeah. it was lovely, and I uh, encourage you to get out there and check out those pop up bars. Well, <laughs> speaking of pop tarts, we yeah. did have the GOP debate earlier, and. Um, I'm going to play a a little clip that I think has gained some traction here from Vivek Ramaswamy. And then I have a lot of questions for both of you. All right. If you want somebody who's going to speak truth to power, then vote for somebody who's going to speak the truth to you. Why am I the only person on the stage, at least, who can say that January 6th now does look like it was an inside job? That the government lied to us for 20 years about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11? that the great replacement theory is not some grand right-wing conspiracy theory, but a basic statement of the Democratic Party's platform, that the 2020 election was indeed stolen by big tech, that the 2016 election, the one that Trump won for sure, was also one that was stolen from him by the national security establishment (laughs) that actually put up the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that they knew was false. There's a reason why I'm the only person on the stage who can say these things. That's what it's going to take, not people who were licking his boots one time and now Monday okay. morning quarterbacking and criticizing him when it's convenient. Okay, a lot to unpack there. It, I, I'm going to start with you, John. Thanks. Uh, because, um, as you know, the Republican representative in the room, uh, along with me, but I'm, I'm going to focus on you here. <laughs> How did we get to the point where this is a... Final four, again, I know we have Donald Trump as the front runner, but in the debate, at least, this is a top Republican candidate for the presidential. Sounds a lot like Trump. Yeah, for the presidential nominee. He is spewing some of the most offensive conspiratorial statements that are out there. Like he Googled what are the most conspiratorial QAnon-like statements, and he just spews them forth. When did this become mainstream, and how mainstream is it in the Republican Party? Well, it's um, he's got, what is he, at 5% in the polls, something like that. Uh, here's the thing. We've had, there have been extreme voices in our party um, for a very, very long time. And you go back to the 1960s in the John Birch Society, for example, that was a, you know, a fairly involved conspiracy theory about the way the world works and how a small number of families controlled everything in, in the world. And it, and those voices were present and, and they had meetings and they were that organized group across the country. And the John Birch Society was, you know, a component piece of the Republican Party. And what happened was that the establishment of the party was able to kind of move those folks aside, the, the William F. Buckley's and some of the thought leaders, Ronald Reagan. Uh, and and the parties have kind of dealt with some of those voices for a very long time. What's different now, uh, a couple of things. One is the party establishment 
who gets maligned by these people, but the party establishment is weaker today than it's ever been in the history of the country. It doesn't have the capacity any longer to go out and identify electable candidates who would be effective office holders and promote them and finance them and get them elected. The parties used to do that. They can't do that any longer uh, because of the campaign finance laws. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. variety of things. So that has happened. The other thing that's happened is if you look at polling data, uh, more people identify themselves as independent voters now than either Democrats or Republicans. So the parties have shrunk. And so some of those voices on the extreme have gotten louder and a bigger piece of the, of the pie. And so that all of that stuff happening together has kind of brought us to the place where we are now. And that's uh, and I think it's going to be increasingly true on the Democratic side, too, as, as this progressive movement takes hold. Uh, what I'm going to find fascinating, though, is that because both of these, what, what the Republican populist and the Democrat progressives, what both of them are going to learn as they take power and, and exercise power is that they are going to at some point fall out of favor with the folks that aren't in office because they will become, by definition, mm -hmm. the, the establishment. So I think I fully expect those, there's a day coming where Tashara Jones is going to be ridiculed by progressives, much like Lori Lightfoot was in Chicago, because she's the mayor and she's the establishment and they're going to they're going to turn on her. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I predict that it will. Michael, I know. To have a healthy country, you need a healthy Republican Party. You need a healthy yeah. Democratic Party. What do you? What do you? What are your thoughts on where the Republican Party is today? And do you see that the Democrats are just slightly behind the Republicans, or not? Let's, so let's much? have a hypothetical man, mind game here. If if Donald Trump wasn't a candidate, let's say he's sitting in jail and he couldn't run for president, mm -hmm. um, I think Vivek Ramaswamy would be the nominee you for the could. Republicans. Ugh. I could. think that's where the Republican Party is. We, and, and I'm guilty of this, have kept thinking, and, and it's, you know, especially since the pandemic, that oh, the world's going to go back to normal soon. No, this is who we are. This is who the Republican Party is now. Um, this progressive movement on the Democratic side, it's who the Rep Democratic Party is. Uh, could it shift? Could it change? Potentially, it's going to take people getting involved in primaries. It's going to take common sense to come in and uh, a wave. But, I mean, I don't know how you can listen to that Vivek Ramaswamy nonsense and think that any of that was normal. But every poll that I saw where people could go and click, I go to Drudge Report and read their stuff, they all think Vivek won it. This is where the Republicans are. In my own party, Amy, I find myself here, you know, living in a situation where um, I'm invested in a city that's elected Cory Bush, who believes that, you know, we need less cops to fix our problem, that crime's not the issue in the city of St. Louis, that 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 Israel is the tar the, the, the torturer in this process. I mean, and I, for a while I used to think, oh, the pendulum's gonna swing back. No, I think that's where these people are. 
Uh, what does that mean for Amy Mark Scorch, John Hancock, Michael Kelly? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Democrat. I used to be the head of the Democratic Party. He used to be the head of the Republican Party. What does this mean for all of us? Because I don't think John stands for what Vivek Ramaswamy is saying. I surely don't stand for what Cori Bush is saying. How are we going to bring back common sense thought to these parties? I don't know. Maybe it's exactly what John said. We're going to have to run this cycle where the progressives start to realize, oh, shoot, we are the establishment, and now we're going to hate ourselves, and the conspiracy mm-hmm. theorists conspiracy themselves into irrelevancy. Right, and because we're rewarding fringiness, we're rewarding extremism, and John, as you were saying, if if people are going to continue to turn on the establishment, but the establishment is, by definition, the moderating factor it's the extreme constantly hating the moderating factor. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And, and we've had that. I mean, that's not new. Uh, it's just more pronounced now and it's more effective and it's better organized. And there's a smaller pool that they, you know, have to. You can you can go and become a precinct committee man or a precinct committee woman almost any place in this country right now unopposed. And um, and. You know, some of those folks are out there. Here's the part that's really scary to me, and I'm hopeful they're going to wake up soon. And I mean this on all sides. Um, There are common sense Republicans who are still funding this stuff on the right, because at the end of the day, having somebody with an R behind their name is better than Joe Biden. There are Democrats, uh, Jewish Democrats who supported, uh, you know, uh, Cori Bush, There are labor folks who are out supporting some of this progressive movement that's out to tear down the very structures that they're involved in that are being funded. And I think they're doing this out of fear inside these parties. That's where I'm hopeful is going to start to happen is the erosion of the good Republicans, if you will, the good Democrats who are going to say enough. Um, Look, uh, John and I are rare in our own parties to have the courage to speak out and say that we think this stuff is kind of crazy. In private rooms, I hear people say it to me all the time. This is nuts. But the institutional folks are still playing along with this to a certain extent and funding these folks. That's what's going to have to change. He's Michael Kelly, John Hancock over there to my right. I'm Amy Markscores. Hey, guys, uh, when we come back, let's talk about Hunter Biden. Who doesn't want to talk about Hunter Biden? This is the Chris and Amy show on KMOX. John Hancock, Michael Kelly, Amy Markscores here with you on a Friday morning. Well, let's uh, let's hash this out a little bit. Hunter Biden was indicted on nine tax charges yesterday, three felony counts, six misdemeanor charges. He basically was understating his income, overstating his expenses, and failed to pay $1.4 million in taxes between 2016 and 2019. There was also the texts that were revealed in a specific 11 pages of the two IRS agents who had revealed their report after years of investigation and Joe Biden was using an alias and he was communicating in certain texts, several dozen texts with Hunter and his former business partner under these aliases. So all of this coming out in the past few days, where do you see the significance of Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's potential involvement and where it could go from here? Investigate it. If they did it, hold them accountable. See how easy that is? You don't have to defend bad people. Uh, I don't believe that Joe Biden's a bad guy, but if there is evidence that he was doing something illegal, 
then let's hold him accountable. Right now, it seems to be a lot of conspiracy theories coming from people on one network on television that are getting a lot of attention. But at the end of the day, Hunter Biden, I mean, the evidence is there. He's been indicted before. Then they had this sweetheart deal. And now he's going to be throw him in jail. How simple is that? Wouldn't here's it be a, great if a, we could do that on <clears throat> both sides of the aisle, by <clears throat> the way? Here's a question I'd like to see somebody ask Corinne Jean-Pierre at the next mm-hmm. White House news conference. Why did Joe Biden use an alias on however many hundreds of emails with his son? Why did he do that? Mm-hmm. Has any has anyone in the press asked that question? I asked it yesterday. I mean, <laughs> no, they, has anybody asked the White House <laughs> right. that question? Because it would seem to me that that's a reasonable question yeah. to ask. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, and, and I would expect he would have an answer for why he was doing that, but I don't know what it is. Uh, so here, I think I mean, Hunter Biden is a mess. He's a disaster. He's a disaster. And uh, he's going to pay for it, thankfully. Uh, his lawyer is saying that if his name weren't Biden, this would be no big deal. Well, you don't you skip paying a million dollars of taxes. It's a big deal. And it doesn't matter what your last name is. And he, he's probably going to jail over this uh, misstating business expenses. I mean, you know, and oof, all you think of which he, you think he will see jail time. I do. And, and all of which in the context of his dad, who's the president of the United States, who's got really bad poll numbers and uh, who's also 81 years old. I think, you know, I've been saying this for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and I I may be wrong. I may be proven wrong. Uh, I was wrong in 1987 once. But uh, Joe Biden is not going to be the Democratic nominee for president. Hmm. And this is a perfect place for them to figure it out. I, I, I tend to think that there's a potential that Joe Biden may not be the nominee. I do not believe it will have anything to do with this particular issue. They'll use it. No, I think that he'll go for if if he were to step aside. And I do. By the way, I do believe that Joe Biden thinks he's probably the only person who could beat Donald Trump. To his credit, I believed that in the last time he ran of all the Democratic candidates, I thought he was probably the only one that could beat Donald Trump. And sure enough, he he wound up being it. Um, I don't think it will be because of Hunter Biden that he steps aside. I think if he does step aside, it'll come to the realization of his age and time. This man's got four decades of history and record and devotion to his country. People can say whatever they want about Joe Biden, but he's been a committed public servant. And I don't think any of this other nonsense will uh, be what runs him out of this. So say... Say John's right and Joe Biden steps down for whatever reason. He he makes a statement and he steps down. Michael, who do you see it's, as it's Gavin Newsom? Right. It it's Gavin Newsom. Okay. I mean, I, I, that that you know has been transparent to me for quite some time. I think we had a a tryout over mm-hmm. the last year or two. We watched Governor Pritzker take his run, and he's a, he's enticing to Democrats. Why? He's a billionaire. He can self fund the whole campaign. Uh, He represents one of the bigger states. He's been somewhat of a moderate and an extremely progressive state. Uh, Here's our the largest state in the union, uh, one of the largest economies on the planet, California, run by Gavin Newsom, an attractive candidate who can talk circles around any of those nitwits we watched on TV the other night at the uh, News Nation debate. Uh, I think the guy just has an appeal and uh, an ability to communicate that will not be able, no one will be able to stop him from being the Democratic nominee. I think yeah. it's a, and 
for those who are conspiracy theorists out there. It also fixes a problem the Democrats have, and that is an unpopular vice presidential candidate in Kamala Harris who has to go away because the president and vice president can't come from the same state. More with Hancock and Kelly after the news. This is the Chris and Amy show on KMOX. Another Friday morning with Hancock and Kelly. I'm Amy Mark scores. Chris is out and about. We don't really know where he is. All right, fellas, a couple more political questions. I know um, it's not the most fun thing on a Friday. It's the most wonderful But you guys are just so darn good at talking politics. CNN's announced yesterday it's going to host two more Republican primary debates (laughs) next month in Iowa and New Hampshire. (laughs) Why question mark <laughs> why question mark at this point well it can't be because the ratings are good um you know my little line is it's like figuring out who's going to get the violin solo on the titanic is <laughs> it's going down it really doesn't yeah. matter yeah um i guess in the moment it's important but uh, they were playing nearer my god to me to the as the titanic was sinking did you know that michael i did not know that yeah was that from the movie or is that true that's true because huh. people survived, so they reported that that's what the band was playing when the ship went down. Interesting. So, but I, yeah, I mean, I, there's not a whole lot of point to having additional debates. Yeah, I think they're just trying to chase some type of TV rating that I don't know that will be there because if Donald Trump's not there, it's not going to get the ratings for the Republicans. Okay, uh, scale of one to a hundred. Uh, well, let's see a scale of one to ten. Let's keep it simple. What are the chances someone other than Donald Trump is the Republican nominee. One. Half a, half a percent. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not great. Okay, let's uh, do another rapid fire. You were talking about Gavin Newsom uh-huh. would be, if not Joe Biden as the Democratic no- nominee, he announces, let's say he announces he's not going to run for president. Does Gavin Newsom, I'll start with you, Michael, and then John, you can chime in. Does Gavin Newsom beat Donald Trump? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Does Gavin Newsom beat Nikki Haley? It'd be hard. No. Yeah, but, uh, you know, Nikki Haley's the most electable Republican on that stage in um, in a general election. But um, she's not going to get the opportunity to be the Republican nominee. So people don't like, let me rephrase this, Republicans, conservatives, right? We, we point to California and we think, my goodness, these are progressive policies. This is what's happening in the cities, so forth and so forth. Gavin Newsom is at the helm. So a lot of people do not like Gavin Newsom because they feel that he is so progressive. Uh, at the same time, we all know that a lot of the presidential election process is a popularity contest. And Gavin Newsom is that suave, handsome guy. Where do you see him appealing? Well, he'll... he'll- to tone down his rhetoric. He's not going to, uh, you know. I mean, the one thing about Donald Trump is he doesn't tone down his rhetoric to try and appeal to the middle, mm. you know. <laughs> and Newsom will do that. I mean, he'll tone down his rhetoric. Well, I think and- he I think he has to this point already. Um, and look, I think the guy, I know everybody wants to paint him with every liberal brush there is. But, I mean, he does have some of the more liberal parts of uh, our country and he's been fairly moderate in terms of being able to, this one fifth of our country's populations in California. Uh, they're not all flaming, you know, uh, San Francisco liberals. Um, and, you know, heck, there's uh, zip codes in California that have more people than, than exist in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think he's got a, a good case to make and would it would be a good matchup against Nikki Haley. I think the biggest drawback that Gavin Newsom would face is the fact that 
the Democrats have been in charge for the last four years, and we're in this cycle for almost my entire life where people are voting against the people who uh, are currently in power. Change election, change election, change election. I think this likely could be a change election if they didn't have Donald Trump. Uh, John, is it is it still the economy stupid when it comes to people voting? Yeah, I mean, it's more complicated than that, but largely, sure, people are going to vote on their their, you know, personal financial situation, which is not good news for Joe Biden uh, because of inflation. I mean, we've all kind of felt that. But uh, but there's a lot of, you know, abortion is going to be a factor on the ballot, certainly. And um, cultural issues are going to be a factor on the ballot for some, you know. So there's a lot of different rationales for, for voting behavior. Um, and, it, you know, you've got to figure out how you're going to put together a majority of the vote in enough states to get the job done. I was saying yesterday we were talking about this as well, but when it comes to the political parties and how it's driven almost exclusively now by negative partisanship, grievance politics, the parties have always disagreed and the leaders of the parties have always been fairly nasty to one another, whether they were having duels or I think John Adams and Thomas Jefferson were accusing each other of having various venereal diseases. And it got pretty ugly at times. But at the same time, they were arguing policy. And it's like a relationship. In a relationship, you can survive a fight, but you can't survive resentment once you start to resent the other side. And I do feel like there's been a shift where the Republicans and the Democrats both have valid grievances against the other, but there's a level of resentment that's just been building and building. Um, You could say on the conservative side, there were a lot of people who didn't feel uh, heard. And we were surprised Donald Trump won, which means they had something of a valid point of not being heard. And you have these titans of culture, whether it's academics or Hollywood, uh, a lot of the more popular politicians really looking down on conservative traditional values. So they start to feel resentment left behind by an increasingly progressive elitist Democratic Party. The Democratic Party has you know, valid grievances against some of uh, Republican or traditionally conservative uh, actions in the past, whether it's looking for more social justice, uh, what have you. And that argument about policy has really deteriorated to what feels like pure resentment. Well, and you've got you've got resentment within each of the parties amongst themselves. I mean, that's really kind of what's different today. Um, you know, the Republican Party was a team and we were going to and we were the best team when we were out of power, which is often the case, I mm-hmm. think probably for the Democrats too. But we were always a team. And we'd, we'd go, you know, get our candidates and we're going to be for the nominee. Uh, but we, you know, the parties would do what they could to get the best nominee elected. I mean, why would you go out of your way to nominate somebody who's got a 60 percent disapproval in the in the nation in the national polls? That's where Donald Trump is right now. And we are hell bent as a, as a party of nominating a guy who is very unlikely to win and really can't win unless the Democrats follow through with Joe Biden. It, but that's what we're going to do. And the, here the Democrats have a president. Now, they it's trickier for them because he is the president. But uh, they've got they've got a guy that 60 percent of the public doesn't like, you know, and we're picking the candidates to the general election that the public. It just yeah. makes no sense to me. But I think the other thing that's become more obvious over the mm-hmm. last decade or two is that 
we're not running a national election anymore. We're running an election in about five states. Uh, so when you say what are the motivators going to be, is it going to be the economy? I think it's going to be what's happening in Michigan, Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, Florida, in a couple, four or five states where 99% of the money, energy, and political policy that we're going to be debating is going to take place. It's not going to be here in Missouri. We're all going to still be talking about you know, wacky stuff that Donald Trump wants to talk about over in Illinois. They're going to be talking about liberal lefty stuff that, that Joe Biden wants to talk about because it doesn't matter. It's all going to come down to these three or four states. And I think we really, that's what's going to drive what this election's about, not just the economy or just, um, you know, abortion policy. Yeah. All right. Michael Kelly kind of looks like he's lost the will to live over here. So I think it's time to have a little fun. Yeah, well, I prefer to have fun over talking this. Po- I mean, aren't you? I mean, isn't it? It's, it's just exhausting. so hard to yeah. talk politics that much anymore. Yeah. And, you know, John, I don't know if you feel this way, but it, in the past it was easy because there was just the other team that we were worried about. Mm-hmm. Now I got people on my own team that are wacky, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you just scratch your head and wonder what, what what's going on. Well, of course, you know, I don't like to talk, so it's yeah, yeah. Uh, this is all a challenge for me. <laughs> well, we, uh, we, we had to hit the politics hard today because yesterday we were derailed when Louie and Fred Bird uh, commandeered Studio B at the beginning of the show, which is pretty interesting when you have two guests who don't speak on a radio program, <laughs> so things went haywire with Fred Bird and Louie. We're going to have some fun now. I've got uh, McDonald's. You won't believe what McDonald's is doing. I'm surprised by this because, you know, John, you know what's coming up next. What? The thing. What thing? Oh, have you seen this? Oh, the, you were talking about <laughs> the something. Way, Louie's a rat, right? He, no. He's a dog. He's a bear. <laughs> He's a, he's I a think lion. he's a rat. He's a bear. He's a bear. I need he's not something. a bear. That he, does not look like a bear. He's a bear. McDonald's. You he's got, a bear. Because there's bear on the Missouri State flag and in front of the Stiefel Center. You know, I used to do public relations for McDonald's. Well, you did a good job because you won't believe what they're doing. He's John Hancock, mm, Michael he's Kelly. He's unbearable. Oh, my gosh. I'm Amy Marks. That was scores. a Hancock joke. Yeah, Unfortunately, bad. this is came away. Well, you're never going to believe who waltzed into Studio B for Did You See This? 25% of Harris, Dell, Fisher, and Young. That's exactly right. Brad Young, <laughs> the anchor leg of Harris, Dell, Fisher, and Young. Thank you very much. You know what I like about hanging out with Hancock and Kelly is yeah. that you guys aren't just fake radio friends. You're fake real friends. Yeah. You know, you're, <laughs> you're, yeah. you know, you're fake friends in real life, yeah, not yeah. just fake friends on the radio. No, and to right. me, your fakeness is very impressive. Thank it's you. Truly, well, it's truly, truly impressive. It's genuine friendship. What's weird, though, is when this happens occasionally to me, I'll be doing something <laughs> going to Mass. Where's Hancock? <laughs> like, uh, uh, We're not married. Like, yeah, <laughs> I like him, but not that much. <laughs> Going to mass. That probably happens twice a year. <laughs> you know, CEO. Was it Easter? Yeah, CEO, CEO Christians, right? Uh, uh, Christmas and Easter only. CEO. <laughs> oh, that Protestant and that Catholic over there. You guys could have a show too. You could have a Sunday. Well, I know you're on the Sunday morning show on Fox too, but you could also have the Protestant oh, and the Catholic. Oh, yeah, could religion. Do like a half hour on religion and then get into politics because. We haven't pissed off enough people yet, <laughs> so now we'll give them our opinions on religion. You could literally exactly. get the whole world to hate you. It'd be perfect. Uh, it's getting easier every day. <laughs> All right. I don't know if you guys saw this, but McDonald's. Mm. John, what did you do for McDonald's? I was the uh, director of public 
relations for McDonald's of uh, Central States Co-op. Wow. The Eastern District of Missouri Co-op or whatever it was. Well, McDonald's is... Ex- I was Ronald's boss. Go ahead. <laughs> Ronald McDonald? I was his boss. Yeah, Although and, he, he made well, more now, than Well, now you're Ronald's sidekick. Although Hancock does have eyebrows like Ronald McDonald, uh, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah. For the yeah. longest time, I thought Ronald McDonald was the CEO. Like, it makes sense yeah, of course. that he would be the CEO. What are they doing, Amy? Okay. They're expanding yeah. over the next oh, four that. years. Mm-hmm. Ten... Thousand new McDonald's, but they're going to call them something else. What? Not all of them. Cosmics. There's the Cosmics, yes, which is part of the expansion. But there will be ten Cosmics restaurants throughout the first half of next year. Same Um, food or different food? Different. It's like drinks oriented, right? Yeah, I think it's trying to compete more with the Starbucks. Exactly. So the Starbucks killer. Those those little quick foods, but Mm -hmm. not. The full-on McDonald's menu. So, but over the next four years, McDonald's is going to open ten thousand new stores to reach a total of fifty thousand McDonald's. Now, I believe over half of those McDonald's will be in China. Wow, that's a lot. So, when I was there back in '93, I did it for one year. We were expanding into Walmart, McDonald's and Walmart. That was really? our big, Ooh. yeah. And uh, that and the McGrilled Chicken Sandwich came out under my my watch. And I sent Ronald McDonald on a radio tour. Mm-hmm. Hey, and, guys. Uh, going on, <laughs> and, you know, so he's in full get up and he's in, he's going to all these radio stations and showing up and doing interviews as Ronald McDonald. And he, we had the Ronald van back then where, you know, he would, he would have to have a driver if he's in his costume. Yeah. So I get a call from Don Clark at, oh, Ma- yeah. at Magic 108. And uh, Ronald had been on there and he says, uh, uh, this is Don Clark at Magic 108. I said, yes, Mr. Clark. He said, Ronald McDonald was at my station this morning. I said, yes, 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 talking about the McGrilled Chicken Sandwich. He says, as he left, I looked out my window, and Ronald McDonald ran into my car. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I said, I said, well, I said, Mr. Mr. Clark, he, he, he couldn't. He couldn't have been driving the car. Ronald isn't allowed to, to drive the car. I mean, he had a driver. He said, I saw his yellow gloves on the steering wheel. Well, it makes sense when you wear those uh, yeah. uh, three-foot-long yeah. shoes. Yeah. You know, you kids can't tap the brakes, right? So I had, to, I had to call Ronald. This was before cell phones, you know, so you wait for him to get home or whatever. You know, Ronald. Yeah? Uh, did you uh, have any mishaps with the with the van today? Were you driving the van today, Ronald? Silence. No. And I said, uh, <clears throat> "Did you? Was there any accidents involved?" Silence. No. And uh, so it turns out he did hit Don Clark's <laughs> Cadillac Eldorado, Great. taking off the uh, side mirror, and uh, and we had to uh, we had to fix it. Ugh. Yeah, but, wow. but what did the settlement involve? The grilled the grilled chickens. No. The grilled chicken no, we just had to fix the car, and oh, we did. Oh, okay. We took care of it very quietly. So that was uh, that was my introduction to public relations. Right was there. that before or after you lost your race for Secretary of State? That was after I lost the first one. <laughs> and before you it, lost it, the second? Before I lost the second one, yeah. It, was, it drove me back to politics that, that my, year. My favorite questions you ask him about the elections he lost. 
I love you, Amy. He's a record holder, Brad Young. Did you know this? I He's did. the only man. To in lose the- Secretary of State of Missouri twice. twice. Wow, that's impressive. It, it is impressive. It's, it's very uh, impressive. It's yeah. in, I'm in a club all to myself there. Yeah. Brad Young, how are you doing? I'm doing Better well. Than that. I, I'm doing well. You know, I was listening to the show earlier. Yeah. And, uh, and and as you guys were talking about, the right has the progressive problem, and the left. I mean, the left has the yeah. progressive problem, and the the right has the populist problem. But that's to me to explain that issue. It's always good to think of politics as a circle, because not a straight line. Right. So when those circles come together, you got the you got the hippie socialists that can't that don't trust the government, and you've got the crazy prepper Utah people living in in uh, missile silos <laughs> who hate the government. Yeah. But it shows how they're really not that far apart. No, that's no, that is true. Crazy. Hmm. Is uh, Brad Young going to see Ohio State Mizzou play in the uh, bowl? I am I'm not going, although I should be. Uh, even though I did not go to Mizzou, uh, I have two daughters who went through there, and so I didn't go there, but my money did. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think I should go to <laughs> this uh, go. Cotton Bowl game. You should yeah. go. I was there for one year. Mizzou? Yeah. And did they kick you out there? Did you, oh, yeah. well, they, did you they lose politely, re-election they, at Mizzou? They, they politely asked me not to come back. Did so. they really? <laughs> yeah. That's right. You got kicked out of Mizzou. Well, out of journalism school. I could have gone back to Mizzou. Oh, the best story uh, is when he gets kicked off the radio. Tell the story real quick. Please only tell got, like, that 30 story. Seconds. Well, I'm doing my my 120-second sports update uh, on a Monday morning, and I've got 30 seconds left after I read all my copy. And so I say, you know... We just lost in Nebraska for the fifth year in a row. Warren Powers is not getting his job done. It's time to replace Warren Powers as the coach of the Missouri Tigers. I'm John Hancock. Have a good day. <laughs> and that was my last broadcast on KCLU, where the emphasis is on you. <laughs> yeah. Speaking truth to power. Isn't that's that it. What it's well, that's what you got to do out there. That's what you got to do. Yeah. How about you, Michael? I got Ever- to leave Ole Miss early, and uh, so I, you know. And we both ended up at UMSL. We did. Yeah. We were alumni of the year. Yeah. 11 years apart. Is it, and isn't UMSL where you took on the Yale debate team? No, it was uh, it was Princeton. Princeton. Yeah. And uh, I was in the semifinals of the national debate tournament. It was Princeton against UMSL. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. And, uh, A battle of the Titans. <laughs> and we had never lost a negative round all year. My partner was really good. And he had he'd got kicked out of uh, Emory. So uh, so we were there, and we're debating. We beat him. I mean, we beat him. We we solved nuclear war twice yeah. in two hours. And uh, and we lost on a 3-2 decision because we were Umsel and they were Princeton. Man. Boom. Well, it would look bad. You know, Princeton, they got to keep up the cachet. Yeah, yeah. Look where they're at these days, buddy. Oh, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're, they're, they're some silk stocking law firm yeah. in D.C. Oh, no, man. Look at this guy saying a fraudulent victory. Okay, buddy. Okay. <laughs> it was rigged. <laughs> He's John Hancock. Michael Kelly, thank you so much. Brad Young is sticking around with me. We hope you do too. This is the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.